Hi, and welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we tell you about the rise and fall of a celebrity. Today is our bonus episode, our book club, mm-hmm. our Save Your Sorry book club. So we shall be reading a celebrity memoir. And who did you pick this month? So this month we did the book, Jokes My Father Never Taught Me, Life, Love, and Loss with Richard Pryor, written by his daughter, Rain Pryor. Ooh. Out with Kathy Crimmins. I'm guessing as like an assistant co-writer. Co-co-writer. Yeah. She said in the book she can't spell, so. Yeah. <laughs> One of those things, I'll tell you. Yeah, I think that's common for a lot of celebrities. Some, sometimes they don't put it on there, but most of them have one. Mm-hmm. This is also a book that I have read about a little, maybe about 10 years ago, a little less than. So I was kind of familiar with some of it, kind of not, uh, but I thought it was a good revisit as well as somebody who we are talking about, like Richard Pryor, who is very, what is the word? Uh, controversial, if you just want a plain one, basic, but very different. He, he He's all types of people, the roles he plays, as well as the motions and emotions he goes through. So I thought it would be a good revisit. Is this something that you were familiar with at all? I did read it previously like you i stole your copy and i forgot most of it and having reread it i kind of understand why i forgot most of it mm, that traumatic not traumatic my feeling towards it are a little bit complicated with this book well richard Pryor died december 10 2005 uh-huh this book was first published october 31st 2006 so okay. not even a full year after his death, this book is out. And I looked that up just because a lot of this book seems very shallow, seems very surface level. Mm-hmm. And you can take it, take that as you may. Maybe it was a way to grieve and remember him, or maybe it was a cash grab, or maybe an opportunity came up and she took it, whatever you want to see it as. But I think, I, I just didn't get a sense of who Rain was. I thought she was Richard Pryor's daughter, but who is Rain Pryor? Does that make the, sense? I, I get exactly what you're saying. This is a book by Rain Pryor about being Richard Pryor's daughter, primarily about Richard Pryor. Yes. And I think, I mean, maybe it was her editor, her publisher, whoever, mm-hmm. who, like, it was so close after his death that they were thinking, this is what's going to sell. Having this story chock full of Richard Pryor's little stories. But there was moments in there that I kind of thought she could have expanded more that didn't have to do with him. Mm-hmm. And it would have probably been a more interesting book. I mean, well, okay, yes. I, I, I understand that opinion. My opinion is kind of sort of like that, whereas... I do enjoy the book for what it, it's worth, for, for what I've read. I do enjoy the book. I do think it's entertaining. And I do think it is very, it makes me very contemplative about all the effects different type of abuse from different type of parents causes you. But I think that if she would have expounded more upon herself and less about her father, not that it would have made more in, uh, more interesting book, but you would have known more about who she was. Exactly. Because she doesn't even really start. I mean, she tells you about how she felt. A li- uh, she tells you a little bit about how she felt in some of those moments and some of the things she went, she went through. But you really don't start getting into the meat of 
some of her experiences until the end of the book, practically. Yeah, I think a lot of what she says in response to something happening to her or something happened, she says, and then I acted like my father had, and, you know, he said these cuss words, so I said them. My mother yes. said these cuss words, so I said these cuss words. But it's and, not really her. And then later, she details in the book, it kind of went the same way with friends and girlfriends, you know. If the friend was a part of this type of crowd, I tried to be like that. I tried to dress like that, change my vernacular to that. She if does I call had herself a, a chameleon. Yes, a chameleon. Yes, a chameleon. She just wanted to be liked and loved and uh, seen as a person. Boyfriends, same thing. If they were into something, she would try to disguise herself as loving that as well so she could feel close to them so they could still love her and be be with her and around her and something that also is kind of interesting is that even though not as heavily as her father she did sort of mimic her father and her mother's like vice behaviors of taking upon like taking their anger out on other people who is who are not the cause of it dabbling in the drinking, dabbling in the uh, the drugs, dabbling in the deceit in a way as well. Because, you know, you have that segment of her lying about her experiences to fit in again, being a chameleon. Uh, yeah, I feel, I mean, we all do to an extent, you know, we all want to be liked. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel reading this book, I still feel like she has that my father was Richard Pryor, maybe that a lot of children of famous people have that, you know, this is the way they show importance. This is the way they know that people are like them is because they have a famous father. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but something that she has learned to Mm -hmm. do. And I think reading this, that's, that's mostly what I got from it is this was Richard Pryor and these are the stories you want to hear. So I'm just gonna tell you these stories. Yeah, this is Richard Pryor. If you were Richard Pryor's daughter. Yeah, and I feel like, like you like this man because he was funny, um, but this is kind of what he was like. He was still funny and charming, but he was also um, a little bit of an asshole, you, a misogynist, you know, he was all the, these other things. I feel most people read celebrity memoirs for two reasons. Either the story is very compelling I think Jeanette McCurdy was a good example of that, where a lot of people did not know who she was, but tuned in and read her book because they found her story very interesting. Mm -hmm. Or just because they liked the celebrity and they were an inside scoop. Yes. With this book, I don't think it does a good job either which way. That does not mean I I didn't enjoy it at some parts, but just... A lot of her memories that she does is able to speak about with her father is from a child's point of view. Is kind of, I wouldn't say she has the best like knowledge of what was going on. Okay, yes and no. I, I agree with that to the extent. Yeah. Because you can only know so much with a child's perspective and knowledge. Yeah. Especially without knowing the full story and nobody even trying to tell you later. She's literally just putting, well, some of this she's been told outright, but some of this she is just putting context clues together based off how she was raised and what was going on in the house at that time. Uh, Just to, I guess, kind of give us a start. We'll go through a little bit of it. Try not to 
spoil the book, but just kind of talk about it lightly as it, well, actually, what, what do you mean? We're we are spoiling it all. I don't even know why I always say things like that. Like, I don't we're spoiling. First of all, don't say it all quiet like that. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? I've been thinking you've been off your game for a while. Like, okay, I think the gears turning in your head. You've been mm. late. You've been mean and getting fatter all the time. <laughs> but I'm bigums. <laughs> but you lie, you lie. I've never been so big. <laughs> anyway, um, so the story starts off with us finding right off the bat that despite being Richard Pryor's daughter and despite her mother being married to Richard Pryor, uh, Rain did not really meet her father or know her father until she was four years old. And when she meets her father, it's very all of a sudden she just woke up and this is the plan for the day. Yeah. And she talks about it, but she knew she had a father. Mm -hmm. She knew he was out there, but she was very surprised he was in the same city. They said like he was like miles away from their apartment and she keeps asking her mom these questions like uh, we're seeing my father. He he lives here. Uh, why haven't I never seen him? All this other stuff. And her mother, who we will learn, has her other has her own deep seated issues that she is going to be battling with for decades. Is very short with her, is not trying to hear all these questions and was maybe battling uh, feelings of dread slash excitement for this moment herself of introducing her daughter to Richard. She gets up to the house, uh, she gets introduced, she meets her father for the first time, who's entertaining a bunch of his, we'll just call them groupies and entourage, uh, the many nameless, faceless people that tend to hang out around Richard Pryor throughout the years until he is no longer a benefit to them. She meets her uh, half-sister, Elizabeth, and their mom, who uh, she ends up forming a deep bond for years to come because Elizabeth is also half black and half Jewish, just like Rain herself. And this is something that Rain will struggle with for so many years that she finds Elizabeth as a kindred spirit and a sister because they have that same, those same identifying factors are just so removed from their other siblings in a way. Yeah, this is kind of the only time they really see each other is if they happen to be with their father, Richard, at the same time. Mm -hmm. And they have more siblings, but I think she only like really talks about two in this book. Yeah, she talks, uh, through. yeah, throughout the book, she names uh, a lot of, not a lot, but she names all her siblings. But the main ones that you see her associate or talk about are uh, Richard Jr. and Elizabeth. Uh, she talks about a woman named Renee who may or may not have been uh, Richard Pryor's daughter who was older than all of them. And then she talks about some siblings that came later in life, like uh, Stephen Kelsey, Franklin. There might be another one, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's mainly Elizabeth and Richard that you hear throughout these stories. Yeah. Uh, Rain starts to learn about her father and his habits pretty quickly from when she stays the night there and she's uh she got tucked in bed by her father and then she wakes up hearing noises she don't know what the fuck is going on she thinks somebody's hurting her father or somebody's getting hurt but nah richard's just doing his thing with whoever the hell was in his bed that night uh rain runs off and his, <laughs> richard finds her and basically explains to her like nah bro that was fucking 
That's what <laughs> that's what adults do. We be fucking. You gonna fuck one day? Fuckity fuck fuck fuck. Right. Which and she was like, "Oh, okay." Not really understanding it, but maybe kind of un, uh, pushing this conversation to end because she just didn't know what the fuck happened. That was just the fact that Paulie didn't fuck you was like, oh. Yeah, like he was just saying it out to this four-year-old. Yeah. And I forget who it was at that point, but Richard does have a very long history of either having a girlfriend, a wife, or sex workers. Yep. Uh, Introduces him from that point as, you know, her father who always surrounded himself with women, always was raised, he was raised in a whorehouse. His mother was a prostitute. His mother ran, his grandmother ran the brothel and a few others around that area in uh, the state of Illinois. And he grew up to love women, specifically prostitutes and appreciate them more than, I guess, any other type of woman he accepted in his life, it seems like. She says it was like a business deal. It was fucking, they get paid, they leave, and that was pretty much what he wanted. Yes, he he respect, he liked, he respected the prostitutes because I guess they just did their job and left them alone. Whereas when he would get involved with women, he, you just don't get the fucking, you get everything else. And that's where a lot of the drugs and abuse and stuff would come in and all the other bad stuff that would happen to him. But when, uh, but including the prostitutes, all of it was uh, basically a norm in that house. And it was something that Rain was getting slowly introduced to and uh, soon would basically be her norm. So then uh, Rain goes into a little bit of her parents' back uh, story, how they met, who they were, how did they meet. I already told you about how Richard Pryor grew up in a whorehouse and that was his environment. That's how women were introduced into his life. And that's kind of, he never really graduated from those images of women. She introduces herself as a flower child, Um, says her and Richard met in the 60s. She was a a go-go dancer, very free spirited, was all about freedom and justice and all this other stuff. She meets Richard, doesn't really think much of him, start chatting each other up, bickering at the same time. But I guess the bickering that makes you fall in love because days later they're moved in together. And then soon after she's introducing uh, Richard Pryor, this black man, to her Jewish parents saying that she loves them and that that they want to get married soon. What is the word? It's not bickering, but when you you have a give and take with someone. Hmm. Bickering. <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, you have a backup banter? No, that's not a banter. I guess banter, yeah. Yeah, but bickering and banter is not the same thing because banter, you could you, sometimes you're just light teasing as well as joking in conversation. Bickering means you're doing nothing but little small ass nonsense arguments. I would just say maybe the first few days it was banter and then it turned to bickering. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll take that. That makes sense. When they're falling in love, it was banter. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel because I, 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 I mean, Rain probably isn't accurate a hundred percent with all the conversations she wrote down. But something tells me, of course, that Shelly was slinging around this nigga left and right, talking to Richard, talking about Richard. <laughs> 
Like, I was like, God damn, for somebody who's all about equality and justice and shit, you just calling everybody niggas. She does say very early on in the book that her mom on the inside was a sister. Yeah, thought she was. She thought she was an African princess put in a Jewish body, a Jewish woman's body. Yeah, it's this. Like I said, this book was in two thousand six, but it is already somewhat dated. I was just thinking, would that fly in today? Like, would she even put that in in there? Would she have even put that in, even if it was true? That's something to to, to ask because I'm not sure. Seems say- like Rain wants to be transparent, so maybe she would have. Maybe. But another person maybe would not have, of course. And we're saying it just because it's used so heavily in this book. Oh, 100%. Just like prostitute, um, where they call them whores and hookers and everything, but, you know, sex worker never pops up, which is the more Yeah, maybe I'll start saying today. sex worker instead of prostitute, because I was trying to actually avoid saying calling them whores. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like, 2006, I don't think anybody was calling them sex workers really no not not at that point not at that point definitely maybe very few but it was definitely not higher than prostitute or those other derogatory words but let, let's talk about some of this banter bickering just real quick so because <laughs> because i have to put a spotlight on i had to bring it up real quick there was an incident where as richard pryor was getting more fame and doing more stand-up he had a set to do in vegas and he basically walked off you know uh uh, it seemed like it was a mix of anxiety as well as, you know, I, this ain't who I am. Back to Shelly and Richard at the bar of the club. She says, I read about you. You're the guy who walked off the stage in Vegas. I dig that. Richard replies, you dig that? Now, where are you coming from, girl, talking the talk? You don't look like no nigger I know. First of all, let's pause. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I just said it with the E-R. I say that because that's how it's written. But later in the book, Rain changes gears and says that it wasn't really said with the E-R. It was usually said with the A, the the N-I-G-G-A, but proceeds after saying that to still spell it nigger in the book for the rest of it. Yeah, I don't know if that was like an editor's choice. I don't know. It just seems yes. weird to me because every time they spell Sista, it's S-I-S-T-A-H maybe. Yes. So they made that a difference, but they didn't make the N-word. I don't know. That, exactly. that, that seemed like a weird thing. So I, I just wanted to say that one so I could get out the way and just say that now I will be officially be using the A because ain't nobody got to, I don't like saying that. Also, so the dialogue in the book, especially the early chapters, bothered me. It just, I don't know if it was believable to me. I think it bothered me because it was believable. It was very much believable that this this, this black man who ain't got no filter would say this shit. And this white woman thinking that she was somebody else that she wasn't would be so bold to say some of this shit. And them just being in Hollywood, being entertainers or parents of uh, entertainer, uh, people who are in the industry, I feel like it was slightly believable. Maybe, okay, maybe believable is not the right word, but more that Rain wasn't there. So it kind of bothered me that it was written as like direct quotes. And it's like, do you really know this? Okay, so, okay. Let me bring you back to the very beginning of the book. 
do you remember when she's starting like the prologue or the introduction and she's like two what hippies were sitting in a whatever and it's like her mom in uh interrupting her saying no don't say hippies say flower children yeah so she says that at the beginning where it's like she's having an argument with her mother about certain facts that she's writing in her book and then at the end you hear Rain talk about how even though she had a tumultuous relationship with her mom, they ended up getting very much closer at one point and never really had another argument until she thought about writing this book. So my theory is that, of course, you know, Rain wasn't there and that some of this language is very cringeworthy, but that was the time and that she did like ask her mother what could have happened. And because of I mean, it was a long time ago, so maybe it's not 100% accurate, but I feel like based off the feelings that her mother has, as well as how she's able to recall events, that she pretty much put it out on the table how the interactions went. So, yeah, like her mom's recollection of events. Yeah, and then everything else from that point is Rain's recollection of events. But that's just my theory. But I do agree that it's like a little bit of like, maybe truthful information and then uh rain and kathy piecing the puzzles together to make some sense of it i think there is a little creativity added in there to make the story flow better yep richard replies you dig that now where are you coming from talking the talk you don't look like no nigga i know you're not some kind of freaky bitch are you (laughs) (laughs) she says no just a horse of a different color Hip to change is all. I call it like I see it. And what I'm saying is the man ain't the man no more. Dig? Don't get all political on me, bitch. <laughs> I know who the fuck I am. I'm a nigga. And I know who the fuck you're not. A nigga. <laughs> you, don't know a da- you don't know a thing about me, funny man. Not a thing. Now, that's not an instance of her saying the N-word. But I was just like, this, this is quite an introduction to then saying, yeah, a few... A few a few days later, they was living together. <laughs> like, I wish the fuck, don't get political on me, bitch. I don't know you no more. I ain't even in your vicinity to talk to. Different time, and he had money. Had money, you know, she was intrigued, and I guess he ended up pulling her in. Within days, they are moved in together, and then um, eventually she shows Richard Pryor to her Jewish parents and they are not impressed. They're worried about the fact that she's moving fast and she might not know what she's doing with the man like this. And she's assuming that they're talking about him being a black man. I still think that they kind of were, but uh, they're saying they're alluding to the fact that it's mostly about him being a entertainer and a ladies man and not being able to be tied down. And you're trying to start a family with this man as well as the interracial relationship aspects of it being a little bit more harder to navigate in this world being uh, different colors. You know, this is like the 60s, 70s. I did like the quote from the Grandma Bunny, which I I just love that name too. (laughs) Uh, Where she said something like she didn't mind the interracial relationship, but did the neighbors have to know? I was like, bitch, that tells me everything that you, it, it, you might not be a racist, but you're definitely uh, not a racist. I, <laughs> I I would say Bunny, and I forget the grandfather's name. Herb. Herb, yes. Bunny and Herb, the love story. Um, I don't know if Bunny and Herb were 
racist, but I think they knew being in an interracial, I can't say that word today, (laughs) being in a mixed relationship and having a biracial daughter was going to be a challenge for them. Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. And I also think that they felt like it was something unnecessary. Like, why are you with this man when you could find any other man of your color and it would be fine? Yeah, a nice Jewish man. Yeah. You know, Richard uh, doesn't really win them over, but they kind of accept the inevitable that, you know, Richard's saying he's not going to hurt her, that he loves her. He wants to take care of her. He wants to marry her. They kind of don't really believe him, but they kind of say it's going to be what it's going to be. And they give their blessing. And then days later, they're married in um, Las Vegas at a little chapel. Now, at first, the marriage is great. As Rain and Shelly had just, or as Shelly described to Rain, they were just waking up, making love, hanging out on the beach, doing it again, and rinse and repeat. It was great. But it wasn't going to stay that way too much longer. Even though Richard seemed like he wanted to have this marriage and be with Shelly and create something great, it just seemed like at one point the honeymoon was over and it was back to regularly scheduled program. He was about to start fucking some other women and kind of doing whatever he wanted and Shelly was just there. And how they made it seem in the book. I, I was never a Richard Pryor like fan, so I don't really know. But he had a more clean cut image to begin with. He was compared to Cosby, Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. And around this time during his marriage is when he starts using drugs, mainly cocaine, I believe, and turning that image where he's cussing and doing these things that most people at the time found like outrageous or even now find outrageous as comedy sets. Yep, yep, 100%. I, I, I felt so bad in the story when you read basically like the, the, the marriage was going downhill, you know, Shelly is seeing that he's not really spending his time with her and he's probably seeing other women. And then there's a space and time where he leaves, uh, I think, to like shoot a movie or do some sort of tour. And then after the weeks or months he was away, he comes back and she could just tell by the look on his face that not only does he have another mistress, but he's also like dabbled in like the deep hard drugs now. Yeah, before it was just, you know, marijuana and everyone's doing that. Mm-hmm. But now she's seeing it's starting to become the crack cocaine era. And he even tried to get her to have a threesome, didn't he? I think that was the other, I think that was another wife. No, oh, no, 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 no. Because she went in there, was it? Yeah, it might have been Shelly. It might have been Shelly, you're right. Because then she goes in there and cries and he just goes ahead with the woman to the, the bedroom. Yeah, he brings a woman home and wants a threesome and she says no and he just still fucks the other woman. Yeah, that's some bold, like, topsy-turvy shit right there. And, and the oh. way Rain made it seem in the book was Shelly was so in love that she wants to be with him, that she was just, just trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. Which is very nice it could have been but i see it more you know richard Pryor had money and let's not be naive about it sometimes if you're a person that's you know being taken care of like that you have money you just turn a blind eye it's like something that comes with the territory Mm -hmm. yeah i can see that yeah i i kind of viewed it like 
she loves this man she's with this man and she's married so she has the quote-unquote title so she feels like anything that's not her is a passing fancy she's the wife yeah. so she's maybe feeling like this will work itself out he'll get tired one day he won't keep doing this not knowing that unfortunately richard is dealing with some demons that he will never ever get help from and the women in and out of his life being used, unfortunately, like, like just transactions is not something that's going to be going away anytime soon. And also, I think she in the back of her head when she does know that the marriage is beyond or is getting close to like beyond reconciliation, she's like, God damn it. My parents said not to do this. God damn it. My parents do not want me with him. If I say that this was wrong and I go back, all I'm going to have to hear is their mouths and be judged about every single decision. So I think that's also why she put off leaving so much longer as well as being pregnant with rain. Yeah, that's a definitely a layer. The pregnancy, the marriage, the I don't want my parents to I don't want my parents to be right. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually rain is born uh like we were saying the marriage is being held together by scraps and threads stuff is not going well but rain is born and um <laughs> when uh bunny and her herb see the baby a uh, bunny makes this like remark that she you know she what is it uh, my she's she's black as a berry isn't she black as a berry black as a berry <laughs> now, what killed me is that Rain is saying that Shelly's insulted. Like, why is my mom saying my daughter's black as a berry? Like, you need to stop being a racist. And Bunny's like, I'm just making observations. And I'm like, what the fuck type of observation is this to be said? I, the people that I mostly liked in the book were Bunny and Herb. <laughs> Uh, so I just feel like they were you know, the I mean they were the best people in the book. Yeah, I wanted more of them. I really I just feel like, you know, if you would say about baby, oh so much hair, so much hair, like I think Buddy was just saying it. Black mm. as a berry. <laughs> just And she's she couldn't have been that dark. She's a mixed child. And I see yeah, brain. Yeah, I've seen photos of her. She's not that dark. Black as a berry, my black as a berry, <laughs> black as a berry. What? So maybe it was just a sweet thing. Look at the stuff, blackberry. <laughs> so, um, okay, so yeah, just to get some timeline straight, after Shelly has rain is when that threesome episode happens, because Shelly's dealing with just having rain, going through postpartum. Uh, regular depression from what all her husband's been putting her through. And Richard is basically still bringing sex workers to the house and other oh, women to yeah. the house. And while she uh, is not able to, quote unquote, provide for his needs. And then afterwards is when that one time he brings somebody to have the threesome. She cries and all that. It locks herself out. So... Um, it's okay. now that she thinks there's postpartum depression at the time. Yeah, at the time, nothing was being recognized or talked about about that at all. Yeah. It was just her quote-unquote mood swings. Eventually, she finally cuts the shit off. She's done with Before Richard. Before we get to that, 
Ooh, Do you want to say why Richard did not meet her at the hospital? I can't remember. Go ahead and talk about it. She gave birth to baby Rain, black as a berry, uh, and her parents come to see her, but mm-hmm. Richard does not come because he's at home fucking the housekeeper. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, that's why he, yeah, that's why he couldn't get, when, after Rain is born, he uh-huh. doesn't pick him up from the hospital. And yeah, that so they get crazy. a cab to the house and Shelly finds them in bed. Talk about stuff I blocked out. That was so fucked up to me. Yeah, I totally forgot. And, and what what pissed me off was, you know, Rain says in the book, my mother forgave him for sleeping with the housekeeper, but my mother, I mean, my father never apologized and didn't attend to. Oh, I did like, love that. God damn. You're trying to get picked up from the hospital after pushing a child out, his child out, and you find him, oh my Talk about a snapped episode. Oh, the audacity and, and the cruelty, honestly. It is so cruel. Knowing you have to pick up the mother of your child and your child from the hospital who's only a few days old. Just not to, caring. Just not caring to think I'm going to fuck them to lay in bed all day. They can find their own way home and find me here. And then what uh, astounded me is that I did not remember how essentially Rain was kind of like abandoned by both of her parents, you know. Once Shelly leaves Richard and does this back and forth with her parents, she she leaves Rain with her parents. With what she came back once for a little bit and then left her again. And so she said Rain says for like basically the first two years of her life her grandparents were her parents because Richard was off doing who the fuck knows and Shelly as well was off in New York doing who the fuck knows Shelly was trying to make it but what pisses me off is that during this point in time of her life the, the zero to two years old you know and I get it the foster you know, adoption and the foster homes and orphanages and these these places are not the best places for children. But you have these older parents taking care of their daughter's child and then the mother's off, you know, not communicating, not being there, the father as well. And they're trying to get her to like give this child up for adoption when at, at the best time that she could find a home. And it's like she refuses, but she also refuses to be a mother. And it also had me feeling little sympathy. It had me, I had sympathy for almost everybody in the story, but it waned for Shelly. I mean, I had none for Richard until the end, but uh, it waned for Shelly because I felt like there was times that you could have had what you wanted, but you were also still too selfish to give up your child because I think you still did want a part of Richard and a part of that. Because if you're not with your child, you're not raising her, you're not taking care of her, why are you insistent that you stay her parent? I didn't get that either. Just Well, I didn't get Bunny and her constantly saying give her up for adoption. I would think they would form an attachment with her, so I found that odd. But even if you get an attachment, sometimes you know that you just like can't. Like it's what's best. Yeah, what's best, you can't be a parent and a grandparent, especially if you have to be both. Yeah, I can see that. And Shelly's whole thing was 
she wanted to be a dancer, not a stripper dancer, but like an actual dancer. Yeah. She does end up becoming an exotic dancer. Uh, but her whole thing was she kind of, in her mind, thought that she had some responsibility for Richard Pryor becoming who he was. His fame was because of her. She's the one who introduced him to yeah. like, the Black Panther topics. And she's the one who introduced him. We're not introduced him, but like told him to become more vulgar and mm -hmm. stuff in his comedy. And I don't know how true that is, but you know, we're kind of getting her side of the story. So she has that resentment of some of your fame is owed to me. So now it's my time to become famous and rich. Yeah. Uh, still piss me off. It oh. pissed me off. But I felt more pissed off with Richard because he has all the money in the world. Oh, I agree. Richard. I, I mean, Rain loves him. That's her. That's her father. But from an objective standpoint, Richard is terrible. He he's of course worse than Shelley because he knows he has the child and has literally abandoned them and done nothing. Whereas through birth, it seemed like Shelley was always there and attentive, and then just had this break where she just couldn't be a mother anymore. But it's like even after they got their shit together, or even after. They broke up after time passed. Richard just never reintroduced himself to his child. Like Shelly was trying, she uh, do do these periods of you know fuck him, he ain't shit, and then she's reaching out for money or for you know a relationship with him and Rain, and then he's not returning her calls. He doesn't do anything to her, saying you know he's this and that until finally at four years old he is willing to bond with his child. Yeah, she said she basically left voicemails begging him to come back. And um, during this time, you know, Rain is starting to bond and spend more time with her father. That bond is building, but uh, the things going on with her and her mother, their relationship is not so peaceful sometimes. Uh, Rain describes, like, basically at this time, her mother was being kind of cruel to her. Her dealing with her issues, her depression, as well as like sometimes coping with uh, prescription meds and stuff was not good. She even says like there was a couple, she doesn't say a whole bunch, but there was even like one or two instances where she puts her hands on her. Or it's just very, re very mean to her. And Rain says, well, if she's going to start being mean, I'm going to start being mean back. And basically implied that during that period of time, she was very rude and uh, condescending to her mother and a smart ass and threw tantrums whenever she could as a way to kind of get back for, for all the things her mother is like saying and doing to her. And she saw as she talks about an instance where for no reason, her mom just like pulls her hair, you know, to cause her pain. But, yeah. but then, you know, afterwards she's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And like hugs her and says, are you okay? So her acting out, she knew afterwards there would be that moment of saying, I'm so sorry, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Going back into Rain's life when she's with her father, Richard, she describes how big his place on Parthenia Street is because when she first gets introduced to him, he's at one house and then eventually they move to another one. And she talks about how the pool was and how she got along with the housekeeper and the security. Richard's grandmother, who they referred to as Mama, 
uh, would visit from Illinois and it would really kind of round out and be like a real family. She would cook. She also was like the only person, woman or man, who kind of kept Richard in line. She know, like he wasn't out of control when she was there. She turned a blind eye to his vices, like the women and the drugs. She also talks about how even though there were so many good times in that house and how mama kept some keeps them in line when she was there, sometimes you would see the other side of her father when he was on the drugs or he didn't have anybody to keep him in check. He would uh, sometimes physically abuse Rain. He would physically abuse any girlfriends and his wives that would be around, as well as just like emotionally with the words and the things that he was saying due to him. Yeah, she says at times he was just unpredictable with his anger, just eruptions of anger. And, it, you know, it could have been the drugs. And she said he probably was undiagnosed with some kind of mental illness. Yeah, she mentioned bipolar. But, yeah, this is something, like, kind of unconfirmed as far as what go went on with Richard Pryor. Yeah, that's the one people always throw out, so. Yeah. Um, she talks about how... Even though he wasn't the best father per se, he did try to kind of win them over with like gifts and affection in that way, like giving her pets and stuff like that. Even later in the book, after a situation, he doesn't really help her with therapy, but he buys her a car. So this is kind of Richard's go-to to make the people in his life happy after he does something unexcusable, unfortunate, or unnecessary, or after something happens to them and he doesn't know how to comfort or help them cope. Yeah. She gives this one moment about how um, it kind of gives example of her parroting and her just like absorbing the environment around her, how it was like Thanksgiving dinner or something. And like the whole family was invited, you know, his groupies, her mother, a mama, his grandmother, her siblings. And she noticed that there were like a couple of sex workers in her father's bedroom who apparently were like whispering about like their payment or trying to leave to get paid. And so she sits down at the table and she just says, the whores need to be paid, or daddy, the whores need to be paid. And how everybody is quiet at first, but then starts busting out laughing because it's like, Oh, of course. Richard has whores and they have to be paid. It's so normal. Look at this uh, little kid. Help yeah. them out some babes. You know? And she doesn't really even know what she's saying. She's just saying what she's putting together. Yeah, she I, knows they're called whores. She knows they get money and that's what makes them leave. Mm -hmm. She knows that she's seen her father put up, pull out the money to give to him. And she even says this one part that I thought was, was basically like you know, the most telling thing, even though she really does love her father, is I learned a lot about parenting from him. If I'm ever lucky enough to have kids, I'll do exactly the opposite of what my dad did to me. And I'll know that turn out and I know that they'll turn out fine. So it's like, even though she loves her father for who he is and what he isn't, and he's abused her, she recognizes that this cycle wasn't safe. It wasn't good. And that if she were ever to be a parent, she would literally do everything opposite of what her father has done with her and her siblings. And she knows her child will be good. Yeah. <laughs> and this was written of, like five or six years before she had her first and I think only child. Yeah, which is kind of messed up to think about just because that's who kind of teaches you how to be a parent as your own parents. And yeah, so, she didn't have good examples. No. So seeing her father, I mean... 
I, I don't think her father ever really acted like a parent. He allowed her to be around him and near him, but he always had, the party was always going around him. There was always other people around him. Yes, she mentioned that, like how she, uh, she says early in the book, like she doesn't think her father liked to be alone because he always had somebody with him or at the house. Like he was never fully alone. Yeah, she says there's like different people. There's the sex workers and then sometimes there's a girlfriend or a wife and the hanger honors, you know, the people who are there just to get the benefits of the yeah, drugs and alcohol. Up the celebrity. Yeah. And then there's the celebrity friends and sometimes family. So mm -hmm. there's always people around. Yeah. And then this is like towards the time where apparently spontaneously Richard decides to get married again. He gets married to this woman named Deborah. And of course, just like any of his other volatile relationships with women that are not sex workers, it's not good. Uh, she talks about an incident where I, 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 he was upset about something. I forgot what it was. And he takes his gun and goes out to his wife's car and just starts shooting it and filling it with holes and shit like that. But she mentions that with this particular wife, unlike any other ones, he was just very aggressive. He did a lot of aggressive behavior towards her, but he never personally hit this one. At least not that Rain saw. And yeah. this was uh, Deborah. And it's not like he was hiding when he hit his other girlfriend. He was not hiding his abuse. So she's she's pretty sure that he never hit Deborah. But he did hit all his other wives and girlfriends when they when he was tripping or something went wrong or he just felt like it. And this is also around the time we we're introduced to a woman named Jennifer Lee. Jennifer Lee is apparently at this time an employee of Richard's, like a uh it says it's day-to-day, -day, so I make it I'm I'm just gonna call her assistant, basically. Or manager. And Rain doesn't really like Jennifer. She doesn't know why we find out later. There's very valid reasons why you wouldn't like Jennifer. But at this point, she's just an employee. She doesn't have a good feeling about her. But it, uh, she seems to want to get with Richard on more than a professional level. Which does end up happening, but not for years later. Yeah, she's one that stuck out for a while. Mm -hmm. Rain constantly throughout the book talks about the fact that she doesn't really have an identity because when it came to the groups that she supposedly identified with, neither one of them would fully accept her because she was not one fully, mostly uh, talking about the black community, of course, and the Jewish community. She wasn't black enough to be black and she wasn't white enough to be Jewish. And so she just kind of didn't fit in as far as the ways that she wanted to fit in. She wanted to fit in with a group of people who she felt she identified with. And since she got rejected on the both ends of both of the communities that she uh, belongs to, she just felt like nobody liked her. She got teased. Uh, she uh, was called the N-word a few times by different classmates as well as like just made fun of overall for her appearance whether it be her hair, her, her skin, her face. So there's this other quote that kind of just tells you exactly who her parents were and just how selfish they were, which is when you become a parent, as I understand it, your whole center of gravity shifts and suddenly your children take center stage. But that never happened in my case. In my case, mom and dad always came first. 
meaning she always had to deal with their problems, their issues, their mood swings, their emotions, their violence, their abuse. And it was always her fault instead of what the problems really were. She never got to be a child. She never got to enjoy her childhood. She was always worried and cowering from her parents and all the things that they would do. Uh, Shelly comes back. Rain notices that she's just not in a good mood. She doesn't want to be bothered. Um, her mother's basically doing the same old, same old. Not saying he don't deserve the, the shit piling she's doing on him, but she's basically saying, your father never helped us. He's this, he's that. I'm tired of it. Rain is hearing all these barrage of insults and is kind of getting the feeling like her mother hates her. She doesn't really talk to her, do anything with her or state how much she loves her or her importance. So she asks her, uh, I think what she asked her, uh, do you hate me or do you, she asked her some question like, do you hate me? And her mother basically doesn't say anything. And so Rain in her mind says, I'm going to kill myself. Everything would be better if I was dead. Father would be better. Maybe you would definitely be better. You would get what you want. Let me just kill myself. So she goes in the kitchen, like puts a plastic bag over her head or some shit, which does that actually, I don't think you can do suicide by that. I, it doesn't make sense. I think your instincts would kick in. What, what, what do you say? You'd have... Well, not to give anyone ideas, but you'd have to like tie it, very, it. Yeah, yeah, very tight because I'm once your instincts would kick in where you would like try to rip it off, but yeah, so yeah, even in plastic bat, I feel like instinctly you would just rip it off, okay? So, yeah, that happens basically. Shelly comes in, is like, oh, oh my gosh, you're starting trouble. You're trying to kill yourself. If you don't take that bag of your head, I'm going to call the suicide hotline. You don't want to kill yourself. You, you're basically doing all this shit for no reason. Making my life harder. She calls a suicide hotline and says that, you know, she has a daughter here trying to kill herself with a plastic bag. And then she gets mad because they put her on hold. Which that, that was a funny moment. I, I thought it was funny too. Like, because uh, in the middle of them uh, being mad, she takes the plastic bag off her head and is like, you know, I hate you and you should have gave me up and fuck you or whatever. And she puts the plastic bag back on her head. Shelly's yelling back at her and she's mad. She's on fucking hold and shit. Yeah, that is just ridiculous though to be put on hold. Like absurdity of it. Then you have a sad moment in Richard's life when his grandmother, the one they refer to as mama, passes away. When she passes away, there's definitely... It's, it's sad, but also you, you notice that this is probably not going to be good for Richard. Sometimes comedians can find humor in death after they have dealt with it or grieved. But as far as I, it seems like in the book, even though Richard probably goes on to do more stand-up sets and more movies, it didn't seem like this was something that he was ever able to move from and really didn't even mention anymore. They go to mama's funeral and he can barely hold it together. And then when he says his final goodbyes to her at the coffin, he like collapses and has to be carried out. And then from then on, you know, he ramps up, you know, the drugs and the sex and the alcohol, and it's all bad to the point where it results in his uh, failed suicide attempt. So apparently it was reported at first, as well as I think the inner workings of his team tried to get everything switched around to it being an accident. This man was doing drugs, drinking, doing all this other stuff, and just was not around, was not aware of his surroundings and accidentally set himself on fire. But according to Richard Pryor, as well as I guess what 
he told Rain was that, you know, he was feeling sorry for himself. He was feeling down. He was feeling inconsolable. He missed his mama. And so um, he had like a bottle of alcohol that he'd been drinking on and took what was left of it and poured it all over his head and then like lit a match. And then as he started to like ignite and truly be engulfed in flames and run out the house or run down the street, he eventually was uh, found. Somebody saw him, called the police and he was found and he was taken to the hospital for how badly burnt he was. Yeah, and leading up to that, I think that's when it was happening, where he's having a conversation with his grandmother. Openly. Yeah, in his head, like, Mm -hmm. that she's responding back to. And that was what the, his team were trying to, like, think, like, how to release this. Should it be a a psychotic break? Should it be a suicide attempt? Mm Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there's no way to spin that. Like, either which way, he's going to come out looking bad. And even later, I think she said her mom was in a therapist's office. And she just hears people, like, talking about him. Like, as a joke. Like, he deserved it. Oh, I thought that was something different that happened. That might have been it. I might have skipped it. The therapist thing I know was, like, her talking about how she was Richard Pryor's daughter and that they didn't believe her. And was like calling her outside her name, and then her mother came out and she told her mother. Her mother was like, "Shut the fuck up! This is Richard Pryor's daughter, and don't you be saying no shit about them." And yeah, it was because they were talking about the burn, you know, his send send himself on fire. And oh, like, I don't forgot this book that quick. <laughs> she's like, "Don't talk about him that way." And they're like, "Mind your business." And she's like, "It is my business. That's my dad." Mm-hmm. But she finds out about him setting himself on fire over the radio. And she was, and her grandparents kind of knew she was worried about her father. She was saying she was worried about her father. And they were like, well, you know, can't do nothing about it now. And like kind of force her to go to school. Which I thought she's like talking. Oh, I think it's messed up. Definitely. And she's talking about how like she was just a child. She deserved reassurance. She deserved comfort and care. And, you know, she loves her grandparents and that they've done so much for her. But like, basically, that was maybe not the best way to handle that. Yeah. If I get where they said we can't go to the hospital. He, no one's allowed to see him or something. He's being mm-hmm. taken care of by doctors because he has third degree burns on his upper body. Yeah. But to not let her stay home. That, that just didn't mean. Yeah. Wrong call, in my opinion. Eventually, Richard Pryor starts to heal. The reports come out and they are what they are. But he eventually starts to heal and he's back to being who he was before. Yeah, and he incorporates that setting himself on fire in his set. Yeah, and I think that's the best way for him to move past that. But you see... He includes the suicide attempt in his set, but nothing about his grandmother. That is true. Because that's the event that he just can't get over. He already had tough issues before, but even though that and the sadness and depression triggered the suicide attempt, he still can't talk about that. He He can only talk about the suicide attempt. And it seemed like later in the book, well, okay, maybe I'm misunderstanding that, but I felt... And you could say I'm wrong because I could be wrong. 
that even though he was making light of it, he still felt some sort of way about it. Like he still remembers that as like, like a, 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 what's the word? Like a, I don't know how to describe it. Like he was making light of it. He was making fun of it, but it was still such a sore point and such a troubling time in his life that he'll never really be over it. But I mean, from the book, it doesn't really give us much. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be. I, I don't know. I forget. I, I just, it was like it was. I got it from like the scene where they were in the car, and they were like joking, and then she's like, she says she like looks back at him, and she just kind of sees like, even though he was just joking about it, he like looks sad in his eyes. I don't know. Well, that was about the comedian Steve Martin, wasn't it? There also was that Steve Martin thing. Yes, that could have been. <laughs> I I think you're confusing that was, two stories. If that was, stories. that's hilarious. I misconstrued that because yeah. that was he did do that about the Steve Martin thing. Which <laughs> for Steve Martin? But yeah, the, who? If you didn't read the book and you just listened to us, it was he asked his kids who were with him. I think it was Elizabeth and Junior, or I don't know if that's what they call him, but his son. <laughs> And Rain, and he said, who's your favorite comedian? And they say, you are daddy. And then he asks another one, and they say, you are daddy. And then she yes, says, Rain. Steve Martin. And he, like, jokes and says, fuck Steve Martin. Let's see what you get for Christmas. But then when she looks at him, she could tell, like, it upset him. Okay. I just remembered what I'm misconstruing as the sadness, and I'll mention it again when it actually comes out. It wasn't about the suicide attempt. It happened about Steve Martin thing and something else. So you're right. So um, Rain talking about her father saying, yeah, he was misogynistic, uh, mercutial, unpredictable and violent. But he was also my daddy. And sometimes when he held me close, I looked into his big, sad eyes and I knew he loved me. And that's the part I want to remember. Not the shit. I want to remember the love. Richard Pryor is only getting bigger. He's signing big deals. He's getting money. Right as things might be on the upswing, it looks like Shelly uh, does a suicide attempt. Changes her mind halfway through because it looks like she tried to bandage herself up after she sliced her wrist. It seems like. Yeah. She ends up calling Bunny and Herb saying like, hey, mommy uh, tried to kill herself. Yeah, which... Another messed up aspect to that was Shelly visited Richard in the hospital, mm -hmm. but he did not even acknowledge what she just went through when it happened to her. Like, yeah, didn't it, even get a call. She said she, yeah. she didn't think her dad called her mom. And even when Shelly was walking to the hospital, like walking in, there was photographers or a paparazzi or somebody who was saying, if you did a picture, you know, it's worth a bunch of money. And Shelly's just like, fuck you. Like, yeah. She was going to sell him out. And Richard was very hard to like in this book. Oh, yeah. And then here comes, like, the most, like, troubling part where you have this violent man and this woman who's stuck in this violent cycle as well, not being uh, very nice either. And I'm talking about when the whole Richard Pryor and Jennifer beating happens. So, oh, yeah. Like I said before, you know, Jennifer Lee uh, before in the book was just this employee, but she had gradually, as time had passed, worked herself up to being, you know, with Richard. And they even eventually got married a couple times, apparently. And so uh, Rain doesn't like Jennifer. And it seems like Jennifer doesn't like Rain. 
And even one time they do this huge, big family trip to Hawaii, I think. I believe and, so. Yeah, one of the big Hawaii trips. And like, I guess Jennifer had been drinking a little. She encounters Rain and basically accuses Rain of sleeping with her father, like incestually, basically. And when Rain is very upset by this accusation, Jennifer saying this shit, and she tells her father, it seems like Richard just goes off and just like uh, savagely beats Jennifer and says like basically close your mouth I, you know I'm in charge here don't you say or do shit without my say so yeah it was it was a weird scene for many reasons like why would Jennifer say that to begin with like there's mm-hmm. a very fucked up thing to say and at this point she's I don't even think like a teenager. She might be at like very early teens, right? Maybe 13. Yeah, I definitely think so. And then to Richard, I think she said like, he tells Rain like, oh, it's like, you know, we're, we're talk about this later. And he's just like, she says with every word, he's like hitting Jennifer in front of yeah. her. Mm-hmm. And then it's also weird because just, a problem I have with the book in general is we don't really get how Rain is feeling. We see what's happening, like she describes what's happening, but I, I guess there's not that much, you know, inner inner thought, inner monologue that a lot of other memoirs give. Mm, so yeah, she's more so just recounting the events as they happen, not really diving too much in until, like I said, the last act of the book. Yeah. Once again, things progress from there. We have her now getting a little bit older and like putting herself as like she's labeling herself as the problem unintentionally because of how her parents behave she's basically saying you know uh, my father don't spend no time with me he's doing work you know my mother's depressed wants nothing to do with me it must be my fault i i could i could do hard i could try harder to be a better daughter and if i was a better daughter they would be better which as we know that's not true but that's yeah. what her mindset is as a child because of all the physical, mental, and emotional abuse she's been put through with Richard and Shelley. So um, then you have some of the, and to the point also you can kind of tell, hold on, let me not even say that. I'm not about to speculate. But she uh, talks about how her mama, aka Richard's grandmother, gave her the advice talking about, your daddy beats you because he loves you and because you're always fucking up. Now go on, dry your tears, get over it. And even though I think that is terrible advice, Rain describes this as being good advice and something that she basically followed from that day on. Just because they're putting their hands on her, they're, they're doing this, restricting her time and being terrible parents. She's just saying, don't be a victim. Get over it. Dry your tears. It's all right. They're your parents, basically. She's rationalizing and carp- uh, compartmentalizing. Can I say the word right? <laughs> basically, all these bad things that are happening to her so she could still be a loving daughter and still be a functioning human, I see, I think. Yeah, she took that advice and ran with it. She even talks about times where she's not even properly educated on about, about things that could be going on with her. Or things, or things that people could do to her or take advantage of. And explains how basically she was sexually assaulted as a child. But she didn't know it until like years 
it, years and years later when she like saw a documentary on sexual abuse. She talked about how a babysitter used to bring over these boys who used to uh, touch her inappropriately and they used to take baths together. But because no one said anything and because she was scared she would get in trouble, she those things just happened without any consequences to those people. She was scared of getting in trouble. She was scared of making people mad. Very indicative of the life she led with Shelly and Richard. If she told on these people she thought she'd be a bad person, something bad would happen instead of uh, seeing it as her advocating and standing up for herself. It was that incident, and then she had another incident, and then another one with her dad where she said, we're at her dad's house, where someone who was in the house, like, tried to, I don't know if she said get in bed with her or something like that, and luckily it didn't escalate, but he gets kicked out, the guy gets kicked out, but then her dad hits her because he says that she was something like, you know, showing it off or putting oh, it out she there. Was, I, I have that. Hold on. Let me find it real quick because I, I didn't mention that, but uh, yeah, there was, uh, I think she was just about to go go out. It, it didn't even say like anything bad, but he starts beating her and she's asking, why are you beating me? He sa she says, why are you beating me for? I said, trying to block the blows. I didn't do nothing. Yes, you did. He said, you were flaunting your stuff. Flaunting my stuff? The man was truly crazy. Like, what? Yeah, and it's not that she had to expand on these experiences of sexual abuse, but it's wrapped up in, like, two very short paragraphs. Mm -hmm. She just says it happens. She uses this motto that Mama gave her, and she moved on. Exactly. It's disappeared. Yeah, it... And she does that with other things, too, which I can't really pointing out right now, but where she, like, drops a bomb in there and then she doesn't, like, dive into it more or anything. Mm -hmm. One thing, just a real quick blurb I thought was interesting, that after, uh, Rain says after Richard Pryor was fully recovered from his suicidal attempt and the burns and all that, he apparently took a trip from a trip to Africa, and after that trip from Africa he no longer said the word nigga, which I was like, okay. The only thing I wish is that from Richard's uh, point of view, we could expound on what, what happened during that trip from him to stop saying it. I, I was always just curious when I read that. He's uh, back from Africa. He's diving back into the, the movie, movie making business. And this is right around the time that Shelly is getting a, she has a job in Tahiti and then she ends up staying there for a while, I think a whole year. And then she ends up getting involved with some sort of king of Bora Bora, <laughs> which that was a side ass story. I didn't even know. Again, but, something that had one paragraph and that it was did over. not expand any further. And then this was the bomb that, that caught me out of nowhere, which was like before, because they went to Tahiti, went to Bora Bora. She has the affair with the king of Bora Bora or whatever. And then she says before they left the island, I guess to return back to the States, she lost her virginity. And she was like, you know, this was pretty much, you know, run of the mill. The only thing that was different was like the circumstances of it wasn't being, my virginity wasn't taken by one guy. It was taken by two that were brothers and that were twins. 
And I was like, that's not a regular taking your virginity story. We sh we could we could talk more about that. How the fuck did that happen? That's that's what I'm saying. How did you like, find <laughs> brother twins to take your virginity? How did it happen? I feel like that was a story we could learn more about. Not because I want to go into the inner workings of a teenager's sex life, but how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> there is so much of this book where I thought this should have been shortened, like it could have been an article. And then there's mm. other parts of the book where I'm like, this is what should have been expanded on. This is your life story, and you're skimming over parts. And I think it's just to focus more on the Richard Pryor aspect of her life. Well, probably, because that is what makes the book possible. She's not writing this book if she and Richard Pryor's daughter. She has the name. That draws people in. Mm -hmm. And then she could a little bait and switch. It would have been great. You know what? And Who knows? They probably wouldn't have went for it, but... It personally, just for you to get a more fleshed out version of who she was, and if she wanted to really like keep the writing career, which I don't know if she wanted to, is that I would have done like the first book. Maybe it doesn't sell much, maybe it doesn't get anything about my life and growing up, how I grew up with the Jewish, the black, and all of it. And then my second book is the Richard Pryor stories, like the Richard Pryor X Files or some shit, told by his daughter. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I think the timing of this book is important because I feel like it definitely was Richard Pryor's been in the news lately. He just died. Let's get this book out there. They probably approached her. Probably so I believe her, so, yeah. Approached her, was like, I, I see you doing the acting thing, you know, maybe that's not panning out for sure. How do you feel about writing a book about you and your father? And maybe her thinking of it as a cash grab, but maybe mostly her think because of the way she talks about it. I feel like she might mostly think of it as a way to therapize, ther therapize herself. I don't know how you say that word. That's not even a real word, word, but a way to give herself closure and whatnot. Because, like you said, it was so close. I don't think she was hurting for money that quick. I think. I think the offer and opportunity was on the table and she probably viewed it as a way to like close this chapter because also in that same amount of time is when she got the divorce from her first husband, Kevin, oh. which is not, which is not in the book, but it's just something that I looked up later. Yeah. I was going to say the book kind of ends with them riding off to the sunset. So uh, rain loses her virginity before her and her mother come back to the States from Bora Bora. Um, she says she kind of viewed it as something that just needed to be done, like something to check off, because despite her mother and her father being so open with, you know, sex. And she even talks about like her mother showing her a book of adults touching themselves, which I thought was also way out of pocket. <laughs> There's, like, OK, I think you should talk to the kids about sex when they're young, like. But not it's, like that. You yeah. Like see adults she, touching themselves like it was. Yeah. Uh like a sex book, like a, a pleasure book. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I thought that was weird. Yeah. And then uh, she basically says like that behavior, as much as they thought might've been freeing, did the exact opposite for me, which made me kind of not fear sex, but kind of look at it very much more anxious and not, and very much more closed off, which I've heard that has that effect. Sometimes when you have people who are very much overexposed to that type of lifestyle, it can, 
rub off on them or it can just make them turn in the opposite direction of being very much closed off to that type of behavior and activity. So now Rain is about to enter high school at Beverly Hills High School, one of the, you know the infamous one that a lot of the famous kids go to the well-off kids of California go to. And right now her mother is just not in a good headspace. Uh, but she does give her the warning uh, when she starts high school to be prepared for the bitch shit. And basically the bitch shit is the fact that high school is going to be high school and it's going to be half miserable trying to find your footing while everybody talks about everybody. Uh, she talks about how, uh, once again, the Jewish people didn't think that she was Jewish enough, so they didn't really accept her, and how the black boys and girls didn't think she was black enough, but she still saw, she still tried to join in. Uh, she, This is when you, what you talked about starts happening, the sisters, the S-I-S-T-A-H-S. So before she gets rejected by the black community, though, she said, she met these two black girls, the sisters that she was going to try to um, join with, like become a crew, become their friends, whatever. They persuade her, hey, you know, can't do the cheerleading stuff. But why don't you get on drill team? Drill team, that's how you get your black back, which is funny because in all my drill teams, nothing but black people. I mean, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> Occasionally you had a, 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 a brave white soul in there, but it was mostly black <laughs> Not a brave white soul. But yeah, it was mostly black. Like, if you wanted to do the cheerleading, now that was mostly white. She actually succeeds. Rain is on the drill team. But apparently, the black girls still weren't really that impressed. They still viewed her as an outsider. It starts to lighten up a little bit when her father, Richard Pryor, comes to see her uh, routine. Because even though she has the last name and they know, which I assume, like, she told them before they guessed that she's Richard Pryor's daughter... I guess seeing him there and getting to meet him and interact with him is what really sealed the deal on maybe upping her popularity just a bit. But that only works for so long before uh, one of the two girls that she was trying to build a relationship with still is like, nah, fuck out of here. You ain't nobody. She's back to being kind of friendless and resulting to that chameleon stage to try to find any group of people she can adapt and fit in with. She never really found it. Yeah, there is this brief part about how she was trying to find a boyfriend and she was dating around and eventually she is dating this um, this half Mexican guy or he's, yeah, I think she said he was half Mexican and then she's going through some issues. So she tries to kill herself again, but she takes like Tylenol. Half a bottle. Half a bottle. half, But eventually it doesn't really result in anything. Uh, they call her mother or parents or you know, whatever, and they take her to the hospital and the doctor tells her to sleep it off and she'll be fine. Yeah, her boyfriend at first takes her to his mom's and she tells her, you know, you don't throw it up. Oh, that's what that was. I thought that was still him. That makes more sense. Because I was like, how is somebody who's... (laughs) I had to reread that too because she made it, she wrote it like they had an she said it broke in broken English and she like wrote yes! like an accent. And That's like, why I thought it was Larry. I did not know. Okay. That I did get confused in that part. Okay, so she Larry I, takes to his mom first, and the mom persuades them to go to the hospital. Yeah, I had to reread that because I'm like, why'd she give him this accent? But <laughs> I said the same thing. I'm trying I, to read I put my Kindle down. I was like, uh-uh. I could not. I was dead. That was so funny. 
Uh, but yeah, I was like, what? Broken English? Half Mexican? What? <laughs> but anyway, so then after she's out of the the woods, you know, she slept it off. She goes to see her father. And what does he do? He buys her a car, which, of course, Shelly gets upset about saying she needs help, not a car. Why would you do this? Which I agree. But also, Shelly, she needed help years ago. And you ain't really been good on that front either. You've been exacerbating the problem as well as Richard. Y'all both are just not doing the right thing. I would have refinanced that car and then got her some help. But yeah, so a few things. Richard buys her that car, and she does not have her license yet, and she has to drive it back home. <laughs> yeah, she only time. had her permit. Yeah. <laughs> and she 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 had been taking driver's ed, but apparently she still wasn't, like, a good driver. That is kind of crazy. And then she had mentioned very briefly when she mentioned her mom going to therapy, but I wonder if Ray never went as a child. I feel like if she did, she should have or would have at least mentioned it for I mean, in one sentence. Yeah, I would. you would think so, but I don't know. Well, the one thing I thought was very sad, and I kind of, you know, wonder what would have happened if she would have done it, was the letter she wrote to her father, but never mailed. Oh. And she was basically saying, like, this is after some time has passed a little bit, like, saying things. She's, she writes in a letter that things at home are okay, but life's not. And that how Richard hasn't even, like, talked to her, given her a new number, and that um, doesn't really even try to have a relationship with her. All he tries to do is, like, just, you know, drink, do drugs, and have women over. She shows that letter, and then she shows, like, journal entries that she had. Mm-hmm. And in one of them, you know, she talks about how she's not close to her father. She... She hardly ever gets to see him, like, just pretty much what you were saying in the letter. But Mm -hmm. she also says that she was, like, angry at her sister. Her sister was angry at her, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And those are two things I wish would have been expanded in the book. Oh, yeah. I did wonder, like, because, you know, she says at the... When she first introduces Elizabeth as her sister, she says, like, they created a bond and a friendship that lasted so long. But in the journal entries, like, when she's a teenager, it does say, like, they don't get along. So I do wonder what that was. Yeah, was it just a teenage thing of writing, like, they're angry at each other, like, you know, sisters do? Or Mm -hmm. was it something more serious at the time? And it's just simple things like that that she does not expand on, which I think would have made the book a lot better. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I agree. Totally. Also, I forget where in the timeline it might come up, so just tell me if you are about to talk about it. But the whole house situation. Oh, where does that come in? I actually don't forget. Well, we could talk about it because it's just a blurb either either way. Yeah, a lot of them are just blurbs, but... Yeah. So, um... Uh, after, you know, renting for so long and kind of being on unstable ground, Richard Pryor finally decides that he's going to buy Shelly and Raina house. And they are very much excited uh, about it. And they are like looking for their new house. They find this house and they're both excited about it at first. And then once they see the inside of, of it, um, Shelly is still excited. Raina's not for some reason. She said she just felt she had a bad vibe from it. She didn't like it anymore. Uh, but it doesn't even matter. Uh, they, Shelly, you know, rings up Richard, says, I found the house that I want. 
it's this one, blah, 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 details, details. Richard says, okay, that's all well and good, but I'm not buying you this house unless unless it's in Rain's name. And um, only Rain's name. And only Rain's name. Not like no co, not like this and that. It's just Rain prior. Shelly is not going for that. Rain implies that it's the fact that due to their unstable relationship at this time, Shelly is thinking that as soon as they have an argument or something happens, Rain will kick her out. I don't, I think that's an excuse because I think that Shelly at this time was very much more closer to kicking Rain out. So I think it was a, a one of the smarter moves made by Richard that just didn't come to fruition because he should have put something in Rain's name. Who knows? He maybe did. Shelly hears that it has to be in Rain's name and only Rain's name. She rescinds the offer. It never happens. They don't get that house. And now Shelly's mad at both of them. Yeah, it, it, I did not understand that. Like, why would you not want your daughter to have a house? Like, you did it too. <laughs> I guess, like you said, uh, she was thinking of kicking her out. Yeah, I think she was insecure. I think she wanted to have control and power and not be under Rachel's thumb, uh, Richard's thumb, and then not be under Rain's thumb from Richard. And so she felt like just unnecessarily attacked and said, well, you know, if I can't have it the way I want, we ain't getting shit, basically. And just rips it away from both of them. Rain is quite fine with this because she don't even like the house no more. <laughs> I just, I wish... I did keep saying it, but I wish that story was expanded too. Yeah. Was it just done after that? Like, I know if yeah, they I don't had... mention that house thing again either at all. Like they admit they um, they talk about moving somewhere else eventually, but not owning a house no more. Yeah, I, you know, if it was me and my father was rich and famous and he offered to buy me a house, I'd be shitty if I lost out on that opportunity, yeah. even as a teenager. Probably even more so as a teenager because you just want a house and it'd be all yours. Exactly. And then she talks about her and her mom not getting along a lot, but she doesn't really dive into why. I guess we could make our own assumptions, but. Yeah, so from all the other stuff she said that she did. Yeah. But she just made it seem like, you know, at this time period, her early, her teens, it was like vamped up. Yeah, it was, it seems like it was a lot worse, especially with the whole, you know, you're becoming a teenager. Maybe from her outlook, it's even more heavy than like the, the mental, physical, verbal abuse. It could have been, yeah. So uh, back to the letter, one of the other reasons that Rain decided to write this letter, even though she didn't send it, was also because uh, Richard Pryor not only got secretly married and didn't tell the rest of his kids and they found out via the news, but also he had been giving interviews where he was basically implying that he didn't like the way that his kids were coming out now that they were growing up from teenagers to growing to adults. And Rain said that really hurt because first of all, she was going through things as well as it's like, motherfucker, where were you to help us be somebody to be proud of? And yeah, how like, dare you be in the way that you are publicly and privately even say that you aren't happy with the way your kids are turning out. I did not understand that because at this time, his kids are just teenagers, aren't they? They're just, I think a, one to two of them are about uh, adult age or coming into adult age, but... Uh, no more Rain, than early 20s. Exactly. Rain is still in the middle of high school. And yeah, so and like, we know after Rain, all her other siblings are younger. So yeah, it was, it was fucked up. 
why even say that in an interview? You would think you'd be like, oh, exactly. kids are great. They're doing great. It's Love just school. that way of you having to have to say something rude, no matter what, I guess. And yeah. Or critical. The, the way she wrote it, it wasn't even a joke. It was just straight up, not happy how my kids are turning out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? So, um, we go back into like, uh, now Rain is kind of ending her high school career and she's deciding that she wants to be an actor, you know. The acting bug has bit her. She wants to do this for sure as a career. Throughout school, she did uh, sign up for plays and she got some bit parts, never the ones that she truly wanted, but she has been acting, you know, in the theater and stuff like that. She has the drill team experience, but she's trying to be on the silver screen. So as she's trying to uh, put herself out there as an actress, um, it is soon that they find out in, uh, I think is mid to late eighties, uh, 86, where Richard Pryor's health is kind of declining. Things aren't really, it's not bad, but apparently he was getting headaches, uh, after sex and rain makes the comment that, you know, if this, if he was having headaches at any other point, he would have ignored it until like it disabled him or it mattered, mattered, but because it was happening after sex, he got it looked at as soon as possible and that they were basically um, saying after they did all these tests that uh, he has MS, multiple sclerosis. Yes. And MS is a auto, uh, what do you, it is a autoimmune disease uh, in which the body attacks its own nerve cells, destroying the protective sheath around each nerve and making it impossible for the cells to communicate, which just sounds horrible and sad. It, so, yeah, it, it, it is one of the more horrible ones, just because I feel like it is a one that you continuously deteriorate. Until yeah, unfortunately, it's like one of those, it, it gets progressively worse yeah. as time goes on. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately... Richard Pryor went from, you know, having decent to great health to now. So taking the sharp turn to having MS, having these issues, all these symptoms that come with MS. And at first, the family is like optimistic. They're worried at first, but they hear about some of these symptoms. They see how Richard's acting. They're like, okay, he's he's okay right now. He doesn't have any of these bad ones. So everything might be all right with the fact that there's no turning back the clock. This gets progressively worse. And then they soon find out that it unfortunately is not going to get any better. Now, back on the other side with Rain, she's still trying to get out there. She's just like all the other aspiring actors. She's going on auditions constantly uh, using her connections. And it seems like uh, at one of the auditions, she met the right person at the right time who was uh, casting uh, a show or they were a casting director and they introduced her to somebody who is associated with the show called Head of the Class. And this was a TV show that Rain ends up getting a, a part in and being a part of for like two seasons. You know who was a part of this cast? Who? Robin Givens. You wanna know who else? Who? Dan Schneider. Really? Really. You know, I've heard of them before, or not of not of course I've heard of them, but I've heard of the show before. I just never, like, looked into it or what it is. Yeah. Was Dan Schneider an actor? I think he was the actor first. 
Huh. Rain is still going out there. She's still getting auditions. Head of class lasts for a couple years, but eventually it gets canceled. She also, in this time, gets a breast augmentation. She gets uh, breast implants. And I guess she thought it might help or she was feeling insecure. And with the insecurity, as well as the input from her thin boyfriend, she thought this was a good idea. But either way, she talks about how she is looked at up and down. People are always looking at her breasts and stuff like that, but unfortunately she's not getting any auditions. Yeah, they aren't that impressed with her look. Yeah, they, they give her like fucked up, like what she said, one uh, person said, you know, why don't you break your jaw and have a reset? You'll look more feminine. Yeah, they said she looked like Richard Pryor in drag. Yeah, they said you look just like your dad. And the it was kind of funny of where she said, um, I thought my dad was kind of handsome, but that would hurt. <laughs> and now we're in the more of the end of the book where I feel like her personality starts to show more. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. She Because she's telling you, I think because these events are much more recent in her brain, she can really start to express herself fully. And maybe she just didn't want to dive into all her childhood trauma feelings. Which I totally understand. So maybe that is a little bit of reason why, because I actually, now that you mentioned that, I, yeah, you do hear a lot more of the jokes, a lot more of her personality as you get into this final stage of the book. And it's so, less filled with Richard. Like he pops up every now and then, but he's not the main focus. Exactly. Richard does end up helping her out because as the parts are drying up and she's not really finding any work, she uh, ends up meeting this director who really wants to do this one sort of project, Joan, Joan of Arc inspired or about Joan of Arc. They don't have any money. So she talks to her father about financing the film. And obviously because he's seen some of her work and I guess believes in her as well as like just sees the vision and wants to support her. He does give her like 20000 to do the project. And the funny thing she says is like they put so much work into it and they gathered a crew and did this and that and nothing happened, which is what you kind of hear. People always assume that when you get the money and the time and the people and resources, everything falls together and it becomes a hit or it goes viral. But sometimes everything goes right and unfortunately it does you can get some buzz but it still doesn't lead to anything and this yeah. was one of those times it, yeah any success she did have it it was never a stepping stone mm-hmm. now we're coming to the part that i had misunderstood earlier when i had said that he seemed like sad and like slightly embarrassed and i thought it was about the suicide attempt it was actually after he got diagnosed with ms so apparently Richard's in uh, driving his car and he's in the car with, is it Jennifer? Wish. It, it is hard to keep up with the girlfriends. I know there's so many. They, they leave, they come back. It's Oh, it was <laughs> a girlfriend. Okay. So it's, it's Richard in the car with one of his girlfriends named Brandy at the time. And um, they're driving apparently on the highway and he starts saying, my leg, my leg, my leg. I can't feel my leg. And Rain apparently starts laughing, thinking he's doing a bit at first. And then, like, uh, like seconds later or soon after, they basically are like, oh, shit, this ain't no bit. He's he's freaking out. So uh, Brandy helps him and, you know, pulls the car over. And she says the car, like, goes in silence. And then, you know, uh, Richard Pryor starts laughing and then 
the other two join in and she says they laughed till they cried, which is very telling. And then she says, you know, finally, uh, a dad makes his way to the passenger seat while Brandy continues the drive. He just says something like, uh, that was a uh, pretty goddamn freaky. And, uh, the whole ride was in silence, but rain says she was looking at her father's face and he just looks so like embarrassed and sad and scared. Yeah, I would imagine that. That's when you start you start feeling more the sympathy, sympathy. Yeah, yeah, towards him because yeah. he's dealing with this illness. Yeah, you feel sympathy at the beginning because he he's dealt with all of these things in his life, but not as much because you see that he's just so abusive and mean and cruel. But now in this time of his life, even though you know he's done all those bad things, you're seeing the dear the deterioration of a man and it's just not that's not joyful either no this was like the beginning of the end that car ride he started to take a turn for the worst he started losing like he couldn't like walk as good as he used to rain says he even started losing mobility and oh his legs and his hands he was using a cane especially in private until i guess he, he started to be wheelchair bound now, uh, she says, like, he thought this was just temporary, that he would thought eventually his body would get better, like, it, it wouldn't stay like this. And so he ended up doing another movie with Gene Wilder, which, if you don't know, one of the most, one of the things that Richard Pryor is most famous for is a stand-up comedy, but also the iconic movies that he did with Gene Wilder, a.k.a. Um, Willy Wonka, <laughs> if you don't know him by anybody else. <laughs> But um, so this time he they do the see no evil, hear no evil. Rain says like seeing him on set, she just knew that he was not in good shape. She says like he's having problems walking his, and talking, saying like he's not only is he slurring his words, but he can't even remember all his lines. And there is this line like she's saying, she says, and we're not even talking Shakespeare here. So basically she's saying it's not complicated dialogue. It's not super long things, but he's just not getting it. He's not retaining it. His health is declining fast. Things unfortunately don't get worse. Eventually the film does get done though. And this is when Jennifer pops right back into the picture. Right at, unfortunately, Richard's worst. And Rain starts to notice that she says like, whereas it used to be like the Richard was in control the tables had definitely turned. Like Jennifer was the one in control. She was running the show at home, in private, with Richard, with the family. You know, she was delegating who could spend time with them where um, and how long and what you had to do to spend time with him and all the other stuff. Whereas Richard would just accept it. You know, his, he's, he's not even talking regular period anymore. At, at this point so yeah he like, lost the ability to talk and was she said like he blew kisses or kind of nodded and communicated yep yeah and it was even to the point where jennifer like had a say on what he was watching on tv yeah she said she a ring came in um he was like zoned out in front of the tv it was on like comedy or something and she tried to turn it and like one of the workers at the house said Girl, don't do that. Jennifer ain't gonna like that, basically. And uh, I, and granted, I ain't gonna say that you know 
I don't know. It's up. It's all bad, but it does seem like a whole reverse, you know, misery, mad black woman situation was happening here. If you ask me, that's just the theory conspiracy. Yeah, that Jennifer was getting Richard back for from the past. She lured him back in when he was still able to say yes and no and make decisions. And then as he got worse and worse, I feel like she started restricting family and friends from him because she knew that's what he wanted and would make him happy and feel better. And then maybe even started doing other shit to like fuck up his health or just fuck up his spirit. Which I, his son has a book called A Prior Life, I think. Which I didn't read, but I was like looking at the reviews and I saw some people comment on the reviews saying that they believe Jennifer Lee withheld medicine or withheld medical it's care. Possible. Yeah. Which I haven't read that book, so I don't know what is said in that book and those are. Is just it Richard Pryor Jr.? Yeah. Wanna, Richard, okay. And he I think that book came out in two thousand nineteen, if I'm remembering correctly. I might have to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, we because... might have to read that one day. Because that's kind of, it's the way, because Rain basically says everything but says it. She, yeah. And it's just the behavior of how somebody would act if they want to slowly isolate you and maybe even make you suffer slash kill you allegedly. And when Jennifer first came back this time around, she came back as a worker. That's at least what Richard Pryor said. Yeah, it was at first, she's a worker. Don't worry about her. She ain't doing nothing. And then Rain came to for a visit. And then it seemed like Jennifer now was the wife again. And I think even in the book. She says she got married. They got married again. She Yeah, she, put, she puts it how she writes it. She says, Jennifer claims they got married again. Yes. Like I said, they're going back and forth with this whole Jennifer not really letting them see all the family, kind of seeing rain. You know, Richard starts doling out apologies, even says like one time when they're alone, like, I'm so sorry that I hit you. And I'm so sorry that I was doing drugs and sleeping with all these sex workers and stuff in front of you. And I wasn't a better father. And, you know, I thought that was very sweet, you know, for, for children, at least not the public, but for children, especially when you really idolize and love them, it's never too late for an apology. No. So I think Rain, even though she still loved her father, no matter what, I think it really helped her to hear him actually say that while he was, before he was able to not say anything anymore. Cause then, like you said, as he got worse and worse, they started only communicating by blowing kisses, by puckering their lips. Cause he couldn't do anything else. Things are getting worse. And to the point where, the other children are like, we need to try to usurp Jennifer out of dad's life. Uh, it, I think they said Richard Pryor Jr. tried to sue to be his conservator, but he didn't win. And they called upon the other children like to give statements. And be because Rain was scared that Jennifer would restrict her from seeing Richard, her father, she kind of went with the base the most basic, baseless, like, statement that doesn't paint her as a liar or telling how she really feels her truth about what Jennifer may be doing to her father. Yeah, because Jennifer holds all the power. Yes. If she is not taken out of power, she will remove Richard from their lives. 
Exactly. As Rain's professional life is getting better, she in personal life, you know, she's met this man named Kevin, who she thought at first was gay. I guess because he's like really well put together and was caring. And you know, when you're a, a child born in trauma and you've only had so many traumatic traumatic events and people don't pay you no mind. Sometimes when you see somebody too caring and too nice, you think either they're gay or they're a serial serial killer. <laughs> so uh, eventually, though, uh, after she kind of got to know him and they started carpooling together, and then she asked about, you know, his situation at home, they start dating, fall in love. As her her personal life is getting better, uh, going through with this idea of creating her own show, like a uh, one woman show that in eventually becomes fried, what is it, Lactas and fried chicken? Or is it fried chicken and Lactas? It's the second one. The fried chicken goes first? I don't think so, but that one sounds better to me. <laughs> okay. If, if that eventually becomes that stage show. Kevin helps her produce it and gets it off the ground and whatnot. Unfortunately, conditions not getting better, nor is the relationship with Jennifer. She started even getting like letters saying like she was ruining her father, well, she was giving, she was causing stress to her father, and that basically maybe y'all shouldn't talk or y'all should stay away from each other. Wasn't it like a Oh, that was before. Too? Sorry. Sorry. Erase all that. That was that led into the lawsuit. Never mind. I, I'm out of order. Okay, but wasn't those letters anonymous? Yes, but I'm pretty sure they, they were anonymous and unsigned for a reason that yeah, like Jennifer didn't want to be named. She didn't want to be uh, labeled. But yeah, they, they were unsigned. You crazy. You crazy bitch. So after the whole battling in the courts for uh, their father and losing to Jennifer, Rain decides to like talk to her mother about the situation and confide in her uh, basically about everything that's going on and saying like everything's just basically going to shit. And Shelly just due to all the shit she's been through personally and with Richard, she has little sympathy at the time, you know, saying, uh, quote, Richard did this to himself. He left that bitch back into his life. If your father loved you, he wouldn't be putting you through all this shit. But her tune slightly changes when he starts to get bad and goes to the hospital and Rain and Shelly pay him a visit and she kind of sees him and, you know, she still has that compassion and that love for him. That actually, part of that is one of the reasons why, you know, they start coming more, they become more closer and their relationship starts to get better. And this is the point in the book where Rain basically says that, you know, as their relationship got better, they didn't have an argument until she says she was going to write this book. And then her mother basically accepts it and says, well, if you ain't going to write this, somebody's going to end up writing it. So you mind as well. Which is true. It, it 100% is true. So I do respect that Shelly eventually re recognized that it's, it might as well be your daughter. And mm. one of these unauthorized uh, biographies, you know how they do. Which there are some of those out there. Mm-hmm. Rain starts going on the road for her show, Loctus and Fried Chicken. Fried Chicken and Loctus. Uh, but as she's doing this and she's living her dream and her, her father's unfortunately not doing that well, she's also kind of separating in her marriage a little bit. They're kind of growing apart. She even says that with all the traveling and trying to make things perfect, she kind of left the marriage first. 
this uh, in this results in her taking another trip uh, to California to visit her father. And th they had uh, begun meeting at a hotel because Jennifer would not allow her back at the house. So she basically told Rain, hey, if you want to visit your father, you can, but you can't come to the house anymore. You have to visit him at this hotel at so-and-so or such and such. So that's what happened. So as they started meeting there again uh, at their at this meeting particular, she notices that her father doesn't look well. Uh, he looks bloated. He doesn't, he looks pale, not even less as himself. He can't respond anymore. He can't talk anymore. He's nonverbal at this point. They, she starts to ask, do you want to go home? Do you want, do you want to stay with me? Do you want to be with me? And I can take care of you. And he starts basically giving signals and uh, signing to, yes, he, he would love to do that. And Rain is crying. She's happily saying, okay, you said it. I know you said it. You signaled it. I'm going to start making some calls and making this happen so you, you, you can stay with me. As he leaves, as that meeting comes to an end, you know, he goes to sleep. She says, I love you. And the caretaker uh, give, uh, takes him away and, you know, gives him back uh, to delivers him back home. Rain says it's the last time she saw her father. Yeah. And she doesn't even know if he was really registering what she was saying. Yeah. She's just saying and asking those questions and he's just responding the way he knows how which i i would assume that it was late in the stages but i feel like he had to have still understood things hopefully so i would have hoped that those answers were his secret wishes unfortunately and I, i'm hopeful that that was just him trying to acknowledge uh his final wishes that unfortunately he didn't get to go through with just to wrap this you no know, richard pride does die uh december 10 2005 and they have a very small funeral orchestrated and organized by jennifer rain the family but especially rain didn't feel right about it uh i guess the way it went but he had a lot of people who in the coming days and weeks of his passing would acknowledge and honor him in their own ways with different statements as well as the different uh, magazines and newspapers that will also pay tribute and report his death. That's where it ends. How would you rate it out of five stars? Hmm. I, damn, you know what's so crazy? I guess I would give it, okay, I'll give it its true rating. And if I had to make up a, a rating based off how this, okay, basically, I would give this. <laughs> what? What? I don't know. I don't know. I was, I confused myself. So basically I would give this three stars as a rating of a book. But if I had to say, how do you rate Rain Pryor's biography? It would be like two stars. I would give it two stars. Okay. See, I knew I was kind of right. <laughs> yeah. Two is where I feel a little bit below average. I mean, not to say her stories are important. All stories are important here. It's just based off what we thought we were going to read versus what you get. And how it was delivered, yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know if this one applies, but would you reread this book? Since technically this is, we're both rereading it now. Okay, if this was my first read, okay, the thing is, is that if we didn't do the book club, I don't think I would have re reread this. I think I came to feel the same way I felt the first time I read it. So I think if this was the very first time I ever read this, I would leave it be. 
I think it's good. Maybe if you're really into Richard Pryor or comedians, period, and, you know, their family life and how some of these children end up turning out. I think it's interesting in that aspect, but uh, not interesting enough where you you have to read it again. Yeah, I like I said, I don't remember it. I don't feel in a few weeks I'll remember it. Um, exactly. I didn't even remember after days. Yeah, it was it was underwhelming. Would you recommend it to anyone? Would this be a book you recommend? Someone's like, give me a good memoir. Oh, shit. My answer is no. Only if I know this is somebody who watches Black comedians. Yeah, of course. Like, if it's a Richard Pryor fan. Yeah, but if you're just sure. like, hey, I want a good memoir, period. No. If you like, if I know you like, if you're into comedy or comedians, I'm like, why don't you give that a try? But yeah, it would have to be very pointed for me to suggest this book. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I would if they liked Richard Pryor. I would just be like. Just for context, though, I do eventually want to read Richard Pryor Jr.'s book. It I was almost to. my suggestion for next month. But I'm like, let's wait a little bit. Yeah, we're we prying it up. Right, uh-huh. So, well, that, Richard Pryor has a book too. I wanted to read I, all three. I know, I know, but his was written before. I mean, it still would probably have some good insight, but it was written before like some of the big things. Not yeah, all long of before, them, yeah, but some of them. So um, I guess that brings us to our next order of business, uh, January, or are we or are we starting in February? We we're to January, just because I've worked very hard today to make a decision. You say that then. All right. So what is our January book club pick, Jose? So it was going to be something else, and I changed it. Mm, how far did you change it? An hour ago? Two days ago? Like an hour, maybe 30 minutes before we started recording. Oh, okay. So, the book I am bringing to the table next month, to the shelf next month. Oh, okay. <laughs> is Finding Me by Viola Davis. I don't know what it's about. It has very high reviews. We love Viola. We do. I do. So I want to see. It has very high reviews. The only thing that I've seen that have low-star reviews is do not like the vulgar language. So I think there's going to be a lot of vulgar oh, language. Oh, that's even better. She'd be cursing in this book. Hell I guess yeah. so. <laughs> Those were the one-star reviews. I, like, I was looking at the five and the ones. Hell yeah. Go ahead, Viola. Cuss your ass off. <laughs> so, right. yeah, it's... I thought you was going to say finding Nemo. <laughs> I just thought, I was like, where are we going with this? My other, we're not going to do it this month, but we might do it not eventually. In two months, yeah. In two months. But it was going to be Spare by Harry. I don't even know his last name. Harry Styles? Prince Harry. Oh. But I'm, I've never been like a royal fan yeah, I mean, here's the thing. For the first time in a long time, the Viola book sounds like a book I'm going to get finished with very fast. I'm going to tell you right now, Prince Harry ain't going to get read until the day before. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy Meghan and Harry, and I'm glad they found each other. But, yeah, I, we're, I'm not a big royal person either. I would read Meghan's book because I want her to shit talk her stepsister. 
That's who's but God by. <laughs> I hate that Samantha bitch. Oh. Oh. Okay. Now. Okay. Yeah. Um. I've I've never been a royal fan. Like you know, people love the royals. Love Princess Diana. It's mm-hmm. just not for me personally. And there is something there. I might just see like the blurbs that come out. See if it's interesting or not. If I want to dive into that. Your blurb. <laughs> and there's. <laughs> Okay, so I read a book, not for the podcast, Malami and Me, which Mm -hmm. was former First Lady Melania Trump's best friend wrote a book about her. Yeah. And the thing that she was complaining about was such rich people problems that I kept thinking to myself, this person is out of touch. I, I don't know if I would read Harry's book and think to myself this person's out of touch like I can't relate to this as a struggle like I know they had like bad press but how much is it going to be of like I don't know like and William got all the good chambermaids and it's like oh Harry oh my god like like, like so I want to see like what the reviews are before that one mm-mm-mm but that is our episode, unless you have something to add. Uh, no. Um, but I, honestly, I'm looking forward to this Viola book, though. I'm I am, too. I that. bought it today. Oh, damn. How much was it? Because you got it on Kindle, right? Well, I did the... Viola Davis does the reading for it, so I just did a Audible credit. Audible, how much How much was it? I, I don't know. I just I did the credit. Oh, I already used my credit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I gotta buy this fucking book because I'm. I wanna. I want Viola to read it to me too. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Right, I, well, as soon as I saw she was reading, it, I'm like, I. I feel like she has a good reading voice. Like I think I would be interested. Well, I know what I'm about to buy. <laughs> and you guys too. Please tell us what you thought about this book if you read it or if you did it on our discussion about it. And make sure you grab your copy of Viola Davis's book. Yeah, and also tell us what the fuck you thought about this Rain Pryor's book about her father and her life, you know? Yeah, if you're a Richard Pryor fan, did you read this book? Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Bye. 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 Love you all.